Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So this morning we're, we're going to carry on at the kind of next step of our Easter story. Uh, so we're going to be looking at Jesus' trial and crucifixion. Um, if you've got your Bibles at home, um, I'm not going to be reading the passages. And so we're kind of loosely going to be following John 19. I say very loosely there because we're kind of mingling out of, of all the different Gospels really. Um, but just before we, we sort of crack into today's passage, um, obviously the astute ones amongst you will know that today is Palm Sunday. Um, so I just want us to jump back a little bit in our timeline. Um, because on this day, maybe 2,000 or so years ago, somewhere between AD 30 and AD 33, the church celebrates Jesus' procession into Jerusalem. Um, and I know Sam spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, um, but actually when we, when we read the history books, the, there was not one procession that day, but there was two processions. Um, if you read, Roman historians recorded that on the same day, uh, the governor of the region of Judea, there was a guy called Pontius Pilate, uh, led a procession into the city of Jerusalem. And I just want you to uh, picture that scene for a moment. So coming from the, the western side of the city, uh, Pilate leads this great mass of, of soldiers on horseback there, um, clad in leather armour. They've got helmets gleaming in the sunlight. Uh, they've kind of got the big broad shields, the swords, the spears. Uh, there's drummers beating. The crowds are kind of swelling. This is a massive deal because um, Pilate, he is the big man. He is the governor um, and he's coming back for Passover. Now, Passover was the time um, to sort of celebrate the Jews' liberation from another empire, uh, the Egyptian Empire, many, many years ago. Um, and so Passover is all about liberation. Um, and the Jews know this several years before the first ever um, Palm Sunday. Uh, we see uh, an account of the Jews trying to rise up at Passover and overthrow the Roman Empire. Now, that uh, rebellion completely failed. Uh, the Romans crucified over 2,000 Jews. Um, but it was a very, very significant moment. And so all of that about Passover being about liberation and the Jews trying to rise up before, that'll be in the back of Pilate's mind as he is coming into the city. He'll be wary of another Passover time, another time where the Jews might try and um, seek liberation. And so every year when he comes back in, he leads this mighty procession through the West Gate to show the power of the Roman Empire to kind of send a message that he is in charge to um, remind the Jews of, of what happened last time they tried to rebel, to intimidate them uh, and to show them that Rome was basically just too strong for them to take on. OK, so that is the procession that we have coming from the West. That is all of the strength of the world. Um, and at the same time of this, towards the east of the city, so the other side on the Mount of Olives, um, there is a young Jew called Jesus. Um, he's just sat with his friends, his followers, and he sends two of them to go and fetch him a donkey. And then he makes his way into the city. And so there is no soldiers. There is no drums, no spears, no impressive war horses. There is just a donkey. Um, Jesus came with the very opposite of a show of strength. Uh, he came with uh, the appearance of someone who was an absolute nobody. Um, 
And Jesus knew exactly what he was coming down for on that Palm Sunday. You know, he could have just stayed up on the Mount of Olives. Uh, I've been to the Mount of Olives. It's a very beautiful place. We did church in 40 degrees in my shorts, uh, which is a new experience. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, and he could have stayed there. Life was great there. He could sit, hang out with his friends, um, carry on teaching them and just, you know, have that nice, comfortable church that we can all experience. But he didn't. And he chose and we're going to look a lot at that word chose to come down to Jerusalem. He um, could have called legions of angels to come with him, but he doesn't. He comes on a donkey and he willingly brings himself low, looking like a nobody to fulfill whatever he needs to do. And so just as a preamble to our story, I just want you to hold Palm Sunday in your head. Um, and so obviously then we go through Holy Week. And on the Friday, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, which I know Mike spoke on last week. Um, and there he gets arrested. Um, and the bits that we're focusing on today um, is that Jesus then goes through seven different trials. Um, so he's first tried in front of the kind of Jewish councils uh, and then the Roman council. Uh, he is beaten. He is mocked. And then finally, he is crucified. One of the most horrendous deaths that anyone could go through. Um, now, it probably goes without saying, in the 15 minutes or, or whatever it is of this Zoom chat, I am not going to be able to cover all of the aspects of Jesus' trial and crucifixion. And so I just want to focus on literally a couple of verses, if you've got your Bibles out in front of you. Uh, can you just turn to John 19, verse 10? Um, and what's happening in John 19, verse 10, is that Pilate, um, the, the Roman governor, the one who was in that procession five days ago, he's leading Jesus' trial and he doesn't get why Jesus isn't answering his questions. And so he says to Jesus, don't you know that I have got the power to either free you or crucify you? And just look at Jesus' response in verse 11. Again, I'm paraphrasing if you're reading along, uh, but Jesus is basically saying, power over me? Like, you are kidding. No chance. You have got no power if it wasn't given to you by God. Uh, and I think um, Jesus here he clearly gets that everything happening to him was part of God's plan. Um, so even though Pilate thought that he had some power, actually Jesus knew he had nothing. He, Jesus is, is standing before the, the local representative of the kind of supreme military and political authority on the entire planet. And he's basically saying, you are powerless because actually God has all the power. Jesus is saying to him, you know, this isn't happening because you want it to, Pilate. It's happening because God wants it to. And I am choosing to obey him. And I think there's, there's something really interesting to pull out there in the fact that on Palm Sunday, despite Pilate's massive show of power in the West, the, the show of all the power the world could offer, we read in Matthew's Gospel, but in many other books, that actually Jesus' entry from the east of the city with no fanfare, no drama, that's what got the city all stirred up. Um, in the middle of his trial, um, Pilate's trying to show all that earthly power that he's got. And again, Jesus shows that actually that earthly power means absolutely nothing. Um, and that the, the true power lies in submitting yourself to God's will. And you'll see if you're reading uh, at home in verse 12, Pilate kind of gets this. He understands that Jesus is right, but he is too scared of all the people to do anything about it. And so what happens is Jesus is handed over. And I'm just going to ask Rob if that's all right, because I'm not going to have time to read them all. Just to pop up a slide for me, Rob. Um, I don't know if that's... There we go. Oh, mine's not working. Ah, there we go. Magical. Um, 
And so these are all the prophecies um, about the Messiah in the Old Testament. I'll just let you read these as I speak, because when we see through kind of Jesus' um, trial and crucifixion, we see that actually he comes and he's hated without cause. He is falsely accused, um, he's beaten, he's mocked, they take his clothes, they divide them up, they cast lots for his garment, they um, crucify him amongst criminals. He has his hands and his feet pierced. Every single one of these things was prophesied about in the Old Testament. None of what is happening is being forcibly done to Jesus. Okay, at any point, Jesus has the power to stop what is happening, but he chooses to let it happen so that all of those prophecies that you can see on your screen will be fulfilled. Okay, why does he do that? It just makes no sense. And I, I mentioned at the start, um, Passover was a time when uh, the Jews remembered how they were saved and how they were liberated from a kind of life of slavery and captivity in Egypt. Um, but the kind of underlying problem there is actually since the very first man, since Adam, every human in history has lived a life in captivity and slavery to ourselves, to our, our sin and our brokenness. And, and we just have to face it that we are all flawed. We are broken and God is perfect. Um, and so to have a relationship with God, that bar is high and none of us are good enough to meet that bar. Um, so throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, people offered sacrifices to, to get them right with God. This was called penance. Uh, and the idea was that um, shedding of blood forgives your sins. So, you know, you kill a goat and you can have a relationship with God again. But the problem with that was it was never enough. There was always more sin and more sin. And all of the Old Testament points to the fact that there is going to be this coming Messiah, this perfect sacrifice that would make it uh, make us right with God once and for all. OK, that's why all those prophecies had to be fulfilled. That's why Jesus um, didn't choose to take himself out of that situation or make it easy for himself, because he was that perfect sacrifice the world had been waiting for. He didn't in any way have to come, but he chose to come because of his love for us. Um, many of you will be familiar with probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. And those words are so powerful because he so loved the world. God and Jesus, they so loved the world that God gave his only son so that if we believe in him, we're not going to perish. We're not going to have to suffer the consequences of our sin that we fully deserve. But instead, we're going to have eternal life. That is why Jesus came on the cross. And actually for us, that means we don't have to do penance anymore because it's not about what we do. It's not about us trying to right our wrongs or us trying to fix it or us trying to be better Christians. Actually, it's all about what Jesus did for us. And so just as we um, are wrapping up a little bit this morning, I think one of the things that as I was um, reading through this story again, one of the things that I realised actually is when you truly get your head around the power of what Jesus has done, we're going to be wanting to, to live for him and, and to follow the example that he has laid down for us. And I think something that really blows my mind um, about the, this story is the way that Jesus makes himself so low. Uh, he is God. He has created the universe. He has all things in his control. And yet on Palm Sunday this day, to just over 2,000 years ago, he makes himself low. He, no show of power, he goes low. He comes into the city on a donkey as a nobody. 
in his trial, again, he brings himself over. He doesn't kick off at the injustice of it all. He doesn't use his power to set himself free or blow them away with wise word. He simply um, turns to Pontius Pilate and he says, actually, I'm here because God wills it. Um, when Jesus is crucified, he doesn't save himself, but he goes through the most horrendous pain, dying the most undignified and humiliating death being beaten and, and being mocked uh, i think it's it's difficult for us to understand because we know the end of the story we know that sunday is coming but actually to the whole world in that moment jesus looked like a failure um, and john 19 if you're following it along just look at verse 30 because um, it says jesus gives up his spirit yeah you can see nothing is being done forcibly to jesus jesus hasn't been killed he has chosen to give up his life and he's done that freely for you and for me. And I think that's what really blows my mind about, about Holy Week. The fact that Jesus chose to come and put himself through unimaginable suffering. He chose to make himself lowly. He, he chose to give himself up because he loves you and he loves me so much. And he just wants us to spend eternity with him. None of that was forced. None of that has come about by a happy coincidence. It was choice. And he came to deal with the problem that we could never deal with ourselves. And so this morning, um, I just want you to know, first of all, it is not about what you've done, but it is about what Jesus has done for you. That is the whole point of the cross. That is the whole point of Easter. Everything that you have or ever or, or will ever do wrong that could be held against you. He has covered that debt. He has wiped that slate clean and he has paid the price. Nothing in your past can hold you back. Um, and as a result of that, um, you are free. You are free to live. But actually, we're free to live for him. We, we love because he first loved us. And actually, um, one of the things that I really, really take away from this story is Jesus' example. Um, one of the things that we're going to discuss in a moment is actually we're, we're living in, in very unusual times currently, as, as many of you will be aware. And it just makes me think of those verses in Romans 12 where um, we're called to be living sacrifices. We are called to give our bodies as living sacrifices. And I think um, the, the question that I come away from this story is actually, how can we emulate Jesus in this? Um, he doesn't chase power or prestige. At no point does he exert the power that he actually does have. At no point does he uh, try and show off or make himself big or show everyone how incredible he is. Actually, he brings himself low because that's what needed to be done to save us. And so um, we're going to ponder on those questions in a moment. Uh, we've got a couple of questions that we're going to work through and discuss. Um, but just before we do that, I believe Luke and Rosalind are going to lead us in some worship. And so I'm going to hand over to you guys. Cool. OK, so um, I've got two questions that um, I think we could probably talk through. Um, the first is really off the back of uh, the topic of forgiveness that um, James kind of talked through towards the end of his preach around um, and even at the start, you know, around Jesus coming in to, to liberate, to provide freedom, not to oppress like um, Pilate did when he came into Jerusalem. So I guess on the topic of Jesus providing liberation and freedom and forgiveness, us sat here knowing that we are forgiven, um, I guess it would be, my question would be, what does it look like to live in the power and the knowledge of being forgiven? Yeah, so I think... Um... Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question, um, and I think we can, um, as Christians, we can, we can often try and uh, we can 
and not, not reflect on that truth fully, um, that we are completely forgiven, that our slate is completely wiped clean and that what Jesus did on the cross um, has completely just kind of washed, washed our sin away. Um, and it's very easy to kind of just uh, think back to things that we've done wrong, things that we uh, regret doing um, and kind of dwell on, on that guilt. Um, I think for, for me, um, I think it's reflecting on, on um, kind of biblical truth uh, reminding ourselves of that daily in terms of um, in terms of that what Jesus has done on the cross and that sin being completely wiped away um, so this this I guess this week um, just as an example so I've been reflecting on uh, Psalm 103 um, which uh, it says so from verse 8 it says the Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in love he will not always accuse nor he will he harbor his anger forever he does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And I think it was reflecting on that, that um, just kind of picturing, stood on a, a mountaintop, kind of looking, if you've got a compass, looking to the east and just seeing as far as you can see and looking to the west and seeing as far as you can see and just that, idea of actually that's com the complete separation that what Jesus has done has just completely removed our sin um, and trying to, to live in the freedom of that and that it's, it's very easy to say it but to, to live it out as a different different thing so um, it's not something that I've done yet but something that I, I'm, I'm going to do this next week is think probably put that bible verse up somewhere so every morning just waking up reflecting on that reflecting on, on what Jesus has done and actually the stuff that I've done in the past that I completely regret um, actually god doesn't look at that he sees me through jesus um i think yeah it's a, yeah, yeah I, I think it's almost um think about what that looks like i think it's almost easier to picture what what the opposite looks like um i think um like if if i, I don't know that i'm forgiven or i'm not kind of living like that i'm gonna be trying to compete against others for my own kind of assurance and um, justification. I'm going to um, put an, an enormous amount of value in what what success looks like for me. Um, so I suppose flipping that on on its head, um, I think, yeah, what, kind of what what Luke was saying. If if that really resounds um, in our heart and sits and stays there, it totally transforms how we um, how we communicate, how we view other people, how we engage with other people um and how we yeah probably the peace we have um, within ourselves as well i guess um like it's in, so it's interesting like what you said because it's so easy to see what the like what the reverse is like so you know i can immediately think of a couple of examples this week where like i've read a situation wrong i've landed something in a, you know incorrectly someone's taken the wrong impression and then like the next day you're kicking yourself going like you should have done that better like you, you completely failed there and I think like we're always going to have those moments aren't we like we're all we're, we are going to screw up um so I think it's knowing that immediately when you're having those when that that thought or feelings come in like it was really helpful for me to just like pause and go like you know and like and ask and talk to Jesus and confess and and like and talk that through with him immediately so it didn't go into a second day or a third day or a fourth day and it didn't like snowball into something that was bigger so i think like for me it's like when i do make a mistake 
it's to immediately identify that and just like bring it to Jesus and, and like thank him for forgiving me. And it's like so liberating that you can quickly move on because when I've not done that, it grows into like, you know, a, a bigger issue inside, you know, inside my own head. Yeah. James, did you have anything in particular that you were thinking of when, when you uh, were talking about that? No, I think everything that you guys have said is, is for on and sums up really well. I think the other thing I would um, add is something that I never really used to do that. I've started doing on the advice of like somebody else and I was like, oh, it's a stupid idea. No, I don't like that. It's actually just starting to write stuff down. Um, I think um, I can certainly sometimes like probably resonate with the, oh, I'll hold on to something I've, I've messed up and I've done wrong and I'll kind of let that guilt sit with me or... Um, kind of be I think the thing I go often into is is the idea of penance so I'll be like oh I need to read my bible more and I need to like go and do a good deed and I need to do this and this and this and then once I've done all those things like then I can be forgiven and then it will be okay uh, and then I can like make my relationship with Jesus right again um and I was uh, just I, I was listening to a sermon like a couple of weeks ago that I thought was absolutely brilliant talking about how uh, I think most of us get that there's nothing we can do to kind of gain our salvation um, and we get that that's because of Jesus and we get that that's nothing to do with how good we are. Um, but then obviously if it's all down to Jesus, that would also then imply really there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation in terms of oh, messing this up or messing that up and, and really drilling that into my head. And um, I've started finding writing stuff down like when I'm like feeling guilty about something or I know I've messed something up and just getting it down onto a piece of paper. Um, and it, it sounds really cheesy, but then physically just screwing that up and get re getting rid of it. Um, which I initially thought was a really cheesy, weird thing to do, but I've actually found it a, a really helpful thing. And then similar to Luke, um, just um, certain key Bible verses, like I don't think you can necessarily get rid of guilt by just saying, oh, you know, you know, get out of my head or whatever. I think sometimes putting other stuff in there is really helpful. And so just writing like a key, key Bible verses, sticking on the inside of my wardrobe so I see them when I get up in the morning and, and that sort of stuff, just as kind of practical um, because it, it's that I think I imagine like a lot of it, it's something that I slip into the bad habits a lot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. And I think um, reiterating it in our, um, the the promises that we've got, um, I think is like a, a really vital part. Hmm. The the other question I had um, was um, clearly like towards the end we were talking about the, the death of Jesus, and in a week's time we will be um, at, at Easter. So using Jesus as like laying, his example is laying down his life for other people um, to pr provide them freedom and, and, and I guess like choice for us um, to, to have a future with him. What does that look like for us in terms of um, following Jesus's example of laying, of laying his life down as a sacrifice? And what can we do practically to live that out? Um, so I think... Um, it's, it's, it's a massive challenge um, and I guess reading through um, the, the Gospels and kind of just looking at all of Jesus' life as well as the kind of the lead up to um, his death and resurrection and his kind of his, his way to live um, just radically different um, and to, to kind of love the, the least and the lost and um, just have compassion on people and I think um, it is a challenge to, to, to kind of live that and try and um, each day to, to be more like Christ. Um, I think it's uh, helpful things to think of things as doing, doing them as worship to God. So um, 
as we go about our day, um, every every act that we do, we can see it as, as doing it as worship to God. So um, not um, kind of viewing, I, I guess, doing different tasks and um, seeing things um, in that way in terms of how can I do this to, to honour God? How can I do this to, to worship him? Um, and again, I come back to scripture, it's one that um, just I was reminded of is in Philippians uh, verse 2 where it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Um, and I think that kind of kind of living that out, trying to look to, to others' interests rather than our own. Um, and I think I think it, it takes a, a conscious effort on our behalf um, to, to think, right, am I, am I doing this because I can get something out of this or am I doing this purely to, to love someone else and doing it out of worship to God, I think. Um, yeah. I think, um, as I think of kind of both of these two questions we've spoken about, um, like some of the crux and even like looking at some of the comments um like freedom is is like what what's come up and then and the comments and um yeah just that that idea of if we if we don't know that freedom like it it's like um that mountaintop moment that luke was describing where you look to your right you look to your left or when you are you can imagine if you can think of a time where you've been so thirsty and you've like had some water and like that kind of sensation but that it's that freedom that changes us and um like i think that freedom does transform how um yeah it, it enables us to do you know what i can um my own like stand i can like kind of lower myself or my own standard is not the be all and end all here because i am free and um also just in this time we're kind of separated from each other like physically um but um like the importance of like we are a community and that is so important and if we know that freedom then it does change how we interact with each other and like i know just through through friendships and times where um i've been able to like I don't know, talk about my struggles, confess my sin with other people. That is so important. And um, yeah, being able to do that communally um, is, uh, is, has for me in the past, like brought great freedom as well. So. Great, good. And I, I think like it's, um, we've got like, we've got confessing to, to God and each other definitely frees us from, from the, uh, from the bird and, and you know like screwing screw a piece of paper up chucking away having that like visual reminder and then putting in all of the promises of God around like mm. you know the fact that you know that psalm that the Luke read um, allows us to pour in all of that remind us of, of all of that forgiveness and then I guess that then enables us to look around the world and, and see other people um, and if we are doing that we're, we, we should be humble enough to be able to serve mm. other people um, and you know like um to, to the Philippians verse, esteeming them greater than ourselves because we, we know full well what we are actually like. We're not like living in pride and, and vain conceit, I guess, and just trying to pretend that we're not something we are, um, allows us then to serve and like help each other. Um, and I think like particularly when we're all probably quite feeling like a mixture of different types of emotions at this time, like it's, it's good to acknowledge where you're at and then clearly reach out to people that either feel very similar to you 
um, as well and, and help them because like we're we're all going through something that's pretty unique at the moment and like, to pretend that we're not struggling is probably not going to be very helpful so to know that of yourself is enabled you then to, to like identify and reach out to other people that are probably going to be in similar situations too.